BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Another world. Another time. In the age of wonder. There was once a dream. You could only whisper it. Anything more than a whisper. And it would vanish. A battle between good and evil. You don't know the power of the dark side. Where shall I find a new adversary so close to my own level? Try the local sewer. You know of the rebellion against the Empire? The Avengers. Earth's mightiest heroes. Peace means having a bigger stick than the other guy. One of these days, I'm going to have a stick of my own. I'm Groot. Welcome to the Neverland Podcast. The podcast for lovers of Disney, Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars. I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. Please welcome your host, Jeremy. I thought he'd be taller. Yeah, I can find All it takes is faith and trust. Well, if it isn't the Star Spangled Man with a plan, what is your plan today? Up to Neverland! <laughs> Take your pixie out of your pockets, Neverlanders. Sprinkle some of that pixie dust around. Think that happiest thought. And let's fly away to Neverland. Now, I'm a little late getting this show out probably today because I was watching my Kansas City Chiefs win the AFC Championship, which means they're going to the Super Bowl for the first time in 50 years. And wow, uh, I, I wasn't sure if I'd ever see this in my lifetime for a long time. I still think I'm in shock and disbelief. All right, so we have a special guest this week. Uh, this is going to be a little bit different because I'm only vaguely familiar with our next guest. But that's always what makes it fun because I, through the course of this show, I've gotten to know a lot of different interesting people and learn a lot of interesting different things. And how this actually comes about is on Twitter... I, just, I had set out, it's like, you know what, I'm going to go and find more people who have similar interests that I do, and I, I started digging around, I started following all kinds of people, started getting a lot of follow back, which is always fun, so you start seeing a lot of new different things, and I happened to see that somebody I've been following on Twitter and looking at, he's got a lot of fun tweets, but he was writing some books, and I, you know, we have a lot of fun around here talking about people who write books, but then, of course, you dive in there, and he's got this podcast, Drunk on Disney, which I'm going to have him explain it because it's, <laughs> it's it's a fun idea. But everybody say hello to Guy Hutchinson. Hello. Well, hello. I'm so excited to be here. I uh, I love your podcast. I well, think you. you I think you're aces, and awesome. uh, I'm really thrilled to be be here talking to you today and and talking to all your listeners. Well, awesome. And uh, you are currently sober, right? <laughs> I I am at this moment. I am. Uh, I'm drinking water, but I'm drinking it out of a Disney Institute brandy snifter, which I'll post a picture to Twitter for you. <laughs> and I'm drinking a Diet Pepsi because, you know, I'm diabetic and I don't really drink alcohol anyway. But uh, you've got a very interesting concept for a podcast. Yes. Uh, so I do a podcast called Drunk on Disney. And the way it came about is there's an actor, a uh, voice actor named Dana Snyder, who is uh, – uh, he's my best friend in the whole world, and he's also the voice of Master Shake on Aqua Teen Hunger Force. He's done voices for Disney cartoons. He does the Penguin uh, in the DC uh, 
animated series, the uh, Justice League United, I think it's called. And he does Plastic Man and Gaspacho and Chowder. And uh, I'm trying to think of more of his parts. But he's a, a wonderful voice actor. But we're really good friends. And the one thing that we have so much in common is that we both love Disney so much. And one day we were talking and we kept talking, kept saying, man, we got to do one of these Disney podcasts. And so we we started uh, the first episode and he he said, I have a surprise for you. And he said, I was looking online. And I saw a recipe for one of these drinks that they have at uh, Epcot. And this one was called the Mount Fiji, I believe, uh, or the Mount Fuji. And it was a uh, it was a weird cocktail. He gave me the recipe. I, I got all the ingredients and we both made it on the show. And then we drank it and we said, mm, this is uh, not that great. Or, you know, this was good, whatever, you know, whatever it was. And, and then we talked about Disney news and Disney happenings. And so that became something that now we do every episode. We give you a cocktail recipe for one of the Disney signature cocktails. So it might be a cocktail from one of the countries in Epcot. It might be a cocktail from one of the hotels or a pool bar or something. We give you the name of it. We give you the recipe for it. And then we tell you what we think of it. Uh, and then we also raise a glass and do a toast to somebody in Disney history. And my goal is always to find somebody that is so distantly connected to the Disney company that you wouldn't know them. You wouldn't have thought of it. You know, we'll, we'll talk about, let's say the, the man that invented the first carousel or, or the, the guy that, that sold the first hot dog, you know, and that way you say, okay, that person has a connection, you know, the carousel connects to King Arthur's carousel and, you know, hot dogs, you got Casey's corner and you wouldn't have Casey's corner if it wasn't for this man that sold hot dogs on the street and <laughs> Chicago. Yeah, you you go for the same crazy leaps that I sometimes do. <laughs> it's true. There was a man in Chicago. Prior to this, people would buy sausages or hot dogs. They would just buy them not in a bun. And this guy, uh, and they only know his last name. He was Mr. Like Furlinshiker. Um, <laughs> but pe people had started selling little white gloves that you would buy a glove with your hot dog and eat it. So you'd hold you'd hold your hot dog <laughs> in a special glove. I'm not kidding and and then you discard of the glove and he was like well what if we could find a way that you could eat that glove and then he came up with the idea of putting that that wiener in a bun and selling it that way and so he is noted as the first person to sell an actual hot dog the way we enjoy them <laughs> salute <laughs> yeah exactly so it's like that guy nobody ever thinks about that guy anymore so i raise a glass to him we try the disney themed cocktail and then after that we could talk about disney and and sometimes we'll talk about old stuff that we remember from when we were kids sometimes talk about new stuff you know uh, there's always new stuff to talk about a lot mm -hmm. of times we just yell at each other about stuff we can't stand at the parks but you know it's always a fun conversation yeah, and part of the fun here is, you know, there are a lot of people who try to figure out the recipes of what they ate at Disney. And I, I even for once, uh, I have one trip to Walt Disney World in my lifetime, and I did not know about Dole Whip, and so I didn't go huh? looking for one. Yes. And so then after I heard about it, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I totally missed out on this. And there was nowhere in Kansas City at that time to get one. So I started looking online for recipes to try to make my own toll whip, which I quit very quickly because I found one where you, you got some like canned pineapple and grind it up yeah. in a blender, yep. added some like evaporated milk and some other stuff, and then tried to freeze it. And I ended up with this frozen stringy pineapple-y mess. <laughs> And I, I, I made myself eat it. I was like, doggone it, I made it. And I was like, well, if this is what Dull Whip is, this is not as great as they say. So uh, it wasn't until later there was a yogurt place that, that when I went back to university in my older eight years, I guess I'll call it my older years, uh, I found a place that actually had Dull Whip that I actually had my first Dull Whip. I took a photo, I tweeted at it, and said, my first Dull Whip. Uh, and then we've had a place in Liberty, Missouri, not too far away, that unfortunately recently shut down, that they had... T different types of Dole Whip. They had the pineapple, they had strawberry, and they had a lemon and orange, and it was great. And then, unfortunately, they went out of business. But here recently, there's a place in North Kansas City, not too far from where I'm at, that just opened. And I have heard that, yes, indeed, they do have Dole Whip because they serve Hawaiian food. So I am planning to go. But that's part of the fun is trying to trying to make the food you had at Walt Disney World or at a Disney park at home, including uh, I've got a friend of mine who tells me, he swears up and down, I need to try the... Um, 
the Monte Cristo, because I I never eaten one, but it's one of his favorite sandwiches. Like, oh, we got to figure out a way to make it at home, and we'll just have a big party at it. And we haven't done it yet, but so oh, you, you know, should. You got a unique sort yeah, of yeah, similar to what we do. It's just except for it's cocktails. You definitely should try a Monte Cristo. I don't know that you want to try too many of them. They are it's uh, it's basically a deep fried ham sandwich that you. Mm-hmm. Put powdered sugar on, and then you dip it in jelly. It's it's an unusual uh, it's an unusual situation. I've only had I had one at at Walt Disney World or no at Disneyland, um, the first one I ever had, first time I ever heard of it. And then I noticed it on the menu of like a Bennigan's or something, and I ordered it. And then I took a bite, and I was like, "What am I doing? You know, this is this is a Disney food. You can't you can't just go in a restaurant and get a deep fried ham sandwich with powdered <laughs> sugar on it and dip it into jam." But um, yes, the uh, the one thing that's really good about Disney for cocktails is uh, more recently, now that their website has gotten so much better, one of the things they do is every of their all of their restaurants, they put the whole menu on there. And when it comes to their drinks, they list all the ingredients. They don't tell you the percentages. So, you know, it doesn't say, you know, uh, two parts of this or three parts of that. But it'll say, you know, here's the maracatini or whatever. And they'll say, you know, vodka, you know, this kind of gin, this kind of bitters, you know, so they'll give you some some specifics. So uh, to recreate them, there's a little guesswork and a little bit of, uh, you know, trial and error, but yes, you can, you can do it. It can be done. <laughs> it's possible. Yeah. So that's I, the only thing that I think would keep me from a Monte Cristo is I hear it's, it's like a raspberry jelly. Yeah. The Ugh. jelly, the jelly's odd. I don't, I gotta say I, the one time, the two times I had it cause the, uh, I didn't, uh, use the, I tried the raspberry jelly, but I was like, this just doesn't need to be here. Um, yeah. but yeah, it's, <laughs> it's worth getting the, it's huge too, by the way. I mean, you could, you could definitely split it with somebody else. Yeah. Cause if I want to, you know, if you're going to do even the weird things to sweeten up a ham sandwich, I'd kind of <laughs> like, you know, decorate it with as many types of cheese as possible. You know, it's a ham sandwich, you know? Yeah. I'm 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 a good old Midwestern boy, so we like ham and cheese, and we'll put ham and cheese on our eggs. We'll put it on everything, you know. <laughs> Can't go wrong with that. Exactly, it's all American, you know. There's a lot of pigs out here, you know. We're they call Kansas City a cow town because we do have a a, a former livestock market, but you know there's pig farms around here too. So, and I would know because I, uh, although I live here outside of Kansas City, the radio station I work with is. Uh, or work at is about 45 minutes north and I'm pretty much playing to a lot of farmers. And here's actually a fun story on that. Yeah. Uh, as I was there today, just today, uh, I had, you know, this old guy and, uh, if you ever, if you're familiar with Jonathan Winters. Oh, sure. And he'd do his old man acne, kind of look his lips and stuff. Wow. You know, picture that. And then, you know, except for the guys wearing, you know, this kind of thick flannel jacket, he's kind of heavy set and he's got like his John Deere cap on and right. he, he comes walking in there. And I, uh, after I do my, my on air time for three hours in the morning, I'm sitting at the front desk. So he actually wanted to ask a question. He said, well, I'm, I'm got kind of a weird request for, uh, um, I was wondering if you have a list of all the local country stations around here and, uh, and this guy was pure salt of the earth. This is the type of people we play to. You know, he was, he had retired from farming 20 years. I learned more than I expected to because he just wanted, <laughs> ended up talking to me. Sure. Of course, the only country stations I knew was we have a classic country station that runs out of uh, my building. And then we have a sister station that's uh, like an hour away in Bethany that's part of the same company. And they do mm-hmm. modern country. So I'm on the classic rock station that mainly. So I'm that's my forte. So I'm, you know, trying to tell him one of the different country stations. He's like, well, I don't want all that, you know, talking crap. I just need to hear uh, the, like, the, the farm market reports and uh, all that stuff. And he just keeps going and tells me how he's now never thought when I retired 20 years ago that I'd get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and go drive Amish people to work. But I'm doing that now. And so, But yeah, it's one of those type of people, you, he's so much just character of, you know, the Midwest farmer that you got to love him. Oh, no. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> And it's I mean, like, that's, these are the people that I'm making a show for now yeah. every day. <laughs> oh, I mean, those, that's the real people, you know, yes. I think that's wonderful. So, yeah, sidetrack there, I guess. No. <laughs> but I just thought of that. That's talking what, about a, I mean, that's what podcasts sandwich. are for. Podcasts right. are for people to go from a ham sandwich to a, an old farmer. <laughs> yep. And so I, it's been kind of helpful meeting him because, uh, you know, I'm, 
part of what I do when I'm at the front desk is I run our social media. And I, when I first was you know, trying to build the social media up to get more hits to the website because the more people go visit the website, the more advertisers, blah, 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 that kind of thing. And I was focusing a lot on the classic rock because that's more what I'm familiar with. So, hey, I was like, look, Ozzy's on tour. You know, it's that kind of thing. And I've slowly learned as I try to put a little bit more country and some memes up that I've probably got more country people that pay attention to our Facebook page than the classic rock people. So I've learned now this is who I got to play to as best I can on Facebook. D- despite the fact that I'm like all classic rock when I'm on there, it's I got to make sure I'm playing to these country folks that that, <laughs> that actually sit there and get on their computer when they're done doing whatever with their, their crops or their cows or whatever they're doing. Well, you know, I mean, they work early and they're done. Yep. They're done in the morning. So, you know, they they get done doing all that work, and you know, then the sun comes. Some sun comes up and starts to get hot. They go inside, have a glass of iced tea, sit on the porch. Yep, and listen to one of our stations. That's it. And I appreciate them because I'm on awful early, and I always like it when I actually yes. have somebody call in in that five o'clock hour and appreciate that I played Dawkin. <laughs> <laughs> Which I've had happen. I was like, "That's great." So, <laughs> yeah, I never, I've never thought about that for music radio. Do you have to like in the early morning hours? Does the music director kind of program softer stuff, and then you kind of build up? Or I mean, is that, or you just roll with it? I mean, if you're doing classic rock, you're playing it all the time. Well, since I'm in a small market area, I am the first one that shows up to that station every morning. Mm-hmm. So I'm there by myself. We've got a satellite feed that's been running overnight. I have to be there before 5 so I can plug in a few ads and get the 5 o'clock hour ready. I have a sounder that I play at 5.30 that introduces me as the Neverlander. Gee, I wonder why I call myself that. So then I give myself about 15 seconds to say, hey, good morning. It's This is today's date. This is what's coming up. You know, and then I'm I'm spending a lot of my time writing up news stories. And then we have a syndicated uh, morning show we put in. But as far mm-hmm. as like song options, there's a few of them that are already in there. But I'll go through and say, no, nah, I don't really like that song. Nah, I, you know, I'm going to put this one in place. And uh, my hot clock is pretty much... I keep. I have to keep track, and it'll tell me like how many minutes or how many seconds I might be above or below what my goal is, or before the next hard marker, which might be a brownfield farm market report, or it might oh, be the, sure. end of the hour, yeah. that kind of thing. So I squeeze whatever songs I want in there, uh, generally based upon I punch in the. Well, here's how much time I need to. I need a song about this long, and I'll go and I'll look through a list, and I'll say, "Ooh, hey, yeah, I want to put that one in." And, so some songs are already kind of in the system. I'm just only I'm going to let it roll. And sometimes it's just like you know I actually don't like Pink Floyd. Let me take Pink Floyd out of here. <laughs> I'm putting <laughs> this in place, you know. And the fun part is is uh, I, I this is going to make you feel old too because you're just a little bit older than I am. But sure, sure. some '90s rocks. I found Stone Temple Pilots, Nirvana, Foo Fighters considered to be classic rock because mm-hmm. it's the '90s. <laughs> oh sure. I'll squeeze some of that in there. And like you know what. Heck with it, man. Here's a little stone tub of pilots to go in there and play. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I have a kid and I have nephews and nieces and I have things come up. Like uh, the other day I was like, oh, he said, my nephew said, is this a new song? And I said, no, this, uh, you know, it's pretty new though. And then he goes, oh my God, this is an old song. This is 2015. <laughs> and I was like, it's like, well, you know, what? <laughs> I guess that seems very old to you. Yeah. <laughs> well, what is old is actually new again. We're finding that uh, our, our classic rock station, the, the numbers have been going up now for years. And I, I thank you, Disney. I'm going to blame Disney for it and give credit to Guardians of the Galaxy, who yep. brought some classic classic rock songs back up to the forefront. And You are so right. Mm-hmm. You are so right on this. Um, yes. I, I do uh, – uh, in addition to everything else I do, I do I do a lot of conventions and I do commentary for a wrestling organization called uh, FSCW, Fantasy Super Cosplay Wrestling. And while we're building up to the show, we'll always have music playing and it's always classic rock. And there's so many times where you say, wait, they're all singing along all of a sudden. You're like, oh, right. This is in Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> You know, and I mean, I feel like if I had one guy one time, he was like, why do you play this terrible song? And I'm like, oh, this song. And I was lying. But I was like, this is in the next Guardians of the Galaxy. And he's like, oh, oh, it is pretty cool. Yeah, no, I can see Peter Quill <laughs> playing this. Yeah, because I think my wife is, is a teacher. Uh, she teaches high school and she's had kids that, you know, 
have even talked about saying, man, you know, I start hearing all these old songs. I need to learn how to find these songs on the internet because this modern stuff, this mumble rap or all this other stuff, it's terrible. And so she's like, kids actually will ask her because she's a little older. Like, hey, what about this band? Do you know about this band? So my wife kind of digs that. It's like there are kids that are like getting turned on to some of the older music, especially with that, you know, Queen movie came out and an Elton John movie that's come out and like. Kids are getting interested into some classic songs, which is great because some of these songs are great and should never die. Yeah, you're Pink Floyd absolutely. you can let die, though. For anyone who likes Pink Floyd, <laughs> I'm sorry for you, but I just don't like Pink Floyd. You know, there there are some talented artists today, but a lot of music today, they don't have to go through the same series of, you know, playing at clubs for years and mm-hmm. fine-tuning what they're doing. And, and a lot of them don't have, you know, the same background and, you know, the same experience level that they would have had, you know, 30 years ago, 50 years ago. And, you know, just it's just different. Yeah, we got a world now where if uh, you've got some talent, you can get on YouTube and build an audience and actually sell your music right there. Yeah. Oh, you YouTube don't have to go and play up. clubs. So, you know, you just. Yeah. Which I kind of enjoy. I do like to cruise around YouTube and look for different, uh, you know, musicians and, you know, anyone doing covers or anyone doing anything creative. I'll go and check it out because, you know, heck, that's even how uh, Disney found um, Al City there, who did, of course, the ending theme music there. Uh, when Can I See You Again from Wreck It Ralph? Oh, he was yeah. a YouTube musician. Yeah. I'm like, See, you know, there are good, talented people out there on YouTube, but yeah, I'm still, the older I get, the more I like that classic stuff that I I either grew up with or was even before my time, but it's still just quality. I hear you. And I even discover stuff that I didn't realize, like uh, Van Morrison, I didn't realize so many of his songs I, I, I knew until I looked it up because I we, we kept playing Van Morrison's Moon Dance, mm-hmm. which everybody go Google that right now, trust me. And it's just, it's got that swinging kind of jazz style, which is completely different. Then you realize he did stuff like, uh, what, Brown Eyed Girl and all these old songs. They're like, oh, that's a good old song. And it's like, there's, it's great. You gotta just dive into some classic stuff because you won't, you'll be surprised sometimes that you know this song. You didn't realize you were a fan of that band, which is actually how it went for me with like, uh, Boston and Electric Light Orchestra that I didn't realize how much of a fan I was of Electric Light Orchestra until I realized, hey, I actually know like 20 other songs. (laughs) (laughs) I I, one time I saw Kenny Rogers uh, on stage and he said to a guy in the front row, he was like, I bet you were dragged here by your wife. And and the guy nodded and he said, he said, and and you're sitting there. He goes, are you are you a fan of mine? You can be honest. The guy said, no. He said, do you know any of my songs? And the guy said one or two. And he goes, I'll tell you what. But I'm going to perform, and you be honest with me, if you recognize any songs past two, he goes, I'll give you $50 for each one, right? And by the end of the night, the guy must have made 500 bucks because he, the guy kept going, oh, I know that one too, you know, because there's so many, a lot of these musicians have so many hits, and you mm-hmm. don't even place that, you know, until you actually sit down and listen to them, you know, put on a greatest hits album, and you go, oh, he did that one too? Oh, yeah. man, you know, there's... There's a lot of great musicians. And then you find yourself in the music stores and whatever or on mm-hmm. or you know, I, I still like to get, you know, a solid, a CD, something, you yeah. know. So you find yourself going to like vintage stock or whatever and you're looking through old CDs and, you, you know, I actually had some pretty good finds in there. I'm like, oh, look, here's Boston. And then, you know, you start getting with your friends like, hey, do you have some foreigner? Yes, you do. Hey, you know, yeah. let me get a copy of that. So. No, yeah. I mean, it's it, it. I mean, it's the one that happened with me was I got uh, the best of the animals and I started oh, playing wow. it. And I was like, I had no idea how much I love this band, you know, but I've heard these songs and I love these songs. I just never put it together. Never, you know, never paid attention. And uh, yeah, no, that's great. And it all started pretty much for me with Guardians of the Galaxy going like, oh, man, because I, I had to buy the soundtrack. It was like, oh, yeah, I know that song. Oh, I know that song. And then I looked at the back. It's like, I didn't realize that I knew who any of these bands were. Yeah. So thank you, James Gunn. Please do it again in the third movie. Oh, I'm sure he will. <laughs> and see, look, we wrapped and we came right back around to Disney because that's what we do. <laughs> It's, it's I call it the boomerang Disney effect. You that are degrees of Disney, you know. It's so I mean, <laughs> it's hard not to come back to Disney. Disney is so big and owns everything. I mean, if <laughs> you were to ask somebody like five years ago, you know, oh, do you think Disney will ever own, you know, Star Wars and The Simpsons? And I mean, you know, what's what's left for them to own? It's it's Star crazy. Trek and Doctor Who. That's what it's yeah. left. 
And yeah. I've told people for years, if they buy Star Trek and Doctor Who, I'm going to get Disney tattooed across my forehead because they officially it. own it. <laughs> <laughs> Star Trek, Doctor Who, Lego, and Andy Cap, and then they'll have <laughs> they'll own all the all the properties. Does Andy Cap still exist somewhere out God, there? God, I hope so. I. <laughs> You know, you know, you would. That's one of the things I would like to go and reread because I used to read the Andy Cap comic strip in the Sunday papers all the time, sure. and it was funny. But I bet there's a lot of stuff that went over my head because the joke being that he was constantly drunk, and I was, bet there was a lot of jokes that went over my little childhood head. He was always drunk. He was always uh, passed out on the couch and fighting with his wife, who would throw yep. a rolling pin at him. Yeah. Yep. There was a couple, you know, what's funny is there was also the Lockhorns, which was also a couple that fought all the time. There was a lot of comic strips that you would assume all the comic strips are just being read by kids. But there were a lot of comic strips that were just about drunk men and their wives beating them. <laughs> like even even Blondie. I mean, Dagwood wasn't drunk, but Dagwood was like this loafer. And, you know, it was all the humor was about, you know, a married couple that had been married for decades. And it's like, well, I'm sure the seven year olds will love reading this today. <laughs> and yet I did. Yeah, we did. I mean, we, <laughs> that's what we had. So we opened it up and we were like, I don't know, this funky winker bean, I don't understand what he's saying, but I love it. The nice thing about Blondie is it it gave you hope because you got Dagwood, who's this goofy looking guy. All he wants to do is eat sandwiches and lay around on the couch. And he's not very attractive, let's face oh. it. But then he man somehow another managed to marry Blondie. So you got some goofball geek like me who was like, hey, you know what? If Dagwood can marry Blondie, I have a chance. That's so, it, man. <laughs> and I think I did pretty well for myself. Heather's pretty awesome. So my wife doesn't oh. listen to the show. But, you know, she's been on the show. The listeners know who she is. Wives so. don't listen to podcasts. I've, <laughs> I've noticed this, but I think that's probably good. I have found that when with my friends, if they when they have a podcast, I'll listen to it and I'll start thinking, why don't I just call them? You know, why, don't, why am I listening? You know, why am I listening to them talk? I, I, I always want to interact, you know, and I think that's <laughs> I think my wife, it's more she's like, I, I hear him talk enough around the house. <laughs> yeah, that could be it. Yeah, because I do find myself I, I've talked to podcasts or, or I'll make a note of something like, oh, when I get a chance to, I need to send a message because a lot of shows that I listen to, I do interact with them. So. Mm -hmm. It happens, so there was always like, especially when they when they make a mistake, I always want to be like, oh hey, I even have uh, uh, one show, the Real Brian show, uh, that they'll get a Disney fact wrong because they're not a Disney show, but mm -hmm. they'll get a Disney fact wrong or something, and so I'll go onto their. I've got an official hashtag of uh, the Spider Man or Spider Pan. Uh, Pan baby. Yeah, because I am the pan. Yep. <laughs> it's the best um, name ever. Like, in fact, yeah, the spider pan fact check. And I'll go and put the actual data that usually it's a Disney or a Marvel thing because, you know, stuff I got to I got to go with what I'm familiar with. Yeah. So, I mean, here's the thing. When my wife doesn't listen is she's never been to a Disney park and I've only been once. Right. But that's enough. You become you become kind of obsessed. But my wife has not. So she doesn't get it. Yeah. But you know what? There's YouTube. You can experience so much of it. I. Yeah. Uh, I think I had I was talking to another podcaster a few years ago and he mentioned that he got kept getting corrections from people. And I said and he was like, yeah, I just hate those people. And he's like, I block them. And I'm like and I said, look, I said, if they're correcting you on something you said on the show, if you got a fact wrong, that's because they're a big fan. That's because yeah. they like your show so much that they want to be part of the conversation. So mm -hmm. I'm always all in favor of it. I make mistakes constantly. And when somebody says, hey, by the way, you know, you uh, you refer to the Shades of Green Resort as the Shades of Gray Resort. I'm <laughs> I'm very pleased to be corrected because it shows me that they were paying attention and cared enough to uh, to let me know. Exactly. So all of you listen, feel free to interact any old time you want because I appreciate it. It just lets me know you're out there. Right. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's always a great thing because you really, you I, as a listener, and you know, when you host a show, you don't think about it, but as a listener, you always feel like that host is kind of your friend, even it's, though you might have never really met or interacted with them. Yeah. So No, it's but, so true. I mean, there's something about, you know, that you're talking most – like I think about it this way. You know, when I listen to a podcast or when someone listens to me do a podcast – I'm talking right in their ear and yeah. usually it's headphones right in their ear. It's this intimate, you know, almost one-on-one -on -one conversation and they listen to you at length, you know, you know, maybe 45 minutes here, 45 minutes next week, you know, and 
they really developed this connection to you. I had not long ago, I caught myself where I was saying, oh, well, my buddy said this. And then I was like, that's not my buddy. That's a guy that does a podcast I listen to. <laughs> I've never even met him. You know, there's, but yeah, I, I can, I, I conflated him the same way as with, you know, with somebody like you that I've actually spoken to. It just, yeah. it feels the same because you have that connection that you're listening to them. And I've had so many times where people have come up to me at a show or something and said, Hey, are you still doing blank? And I'm like, what are they talking about? And then the, then they'll say, Oh, well, you know, uh, two years ago on the show, you said you were going to, and I said, Oh my goodness, you remember my life better than I do. <laughs> for me, uh, that was just something I said out loud, you know, but for them, they may have listened to the show more than once. And, you know, they, they connect that moment in the show with other things that I've said. And so to them, it builds this picture of, you know, of the person they're listening to. So it's a very intimate medium. Yeah, and it's always fun. Like, uh, you know, speaking, we were talking about Planet Comic Con actually just a little bit earlier. And I mean, I've had times at the convention because when, of course, when I'm there, I'll wear a podcast t shirt. Ooh. And I'll just, you know, randomly start talking to somebody and they'll notice my shirt. It's like, oh, hey, I've listened to that show. That guy's pretty good. I'm like, hi, <laughs> that's me. Nice to meet you. So, and it's fun even when you go to conventions, people will come because they like your topic because most everybody likes Disney. You got some crazy haters out there. Uh, but there are people who've never been to a park, I guess. Even uh, the people that don't like Disney like to come to a, a panel or a show about Disney. Yeah, uh, yeah. We were doing a show. Uh, me and Dana did a show in Minneapolis. And this woman came there and she, uh, about two minutes into the show, she raised her hand and she goes, when are you going to start talking about Disney? And I said, well, what do you want to talk about? And she's like, how it's horrible and I hate it. And I was like, okay, well, if you just want me to talk about what's bad about it sure i'll try to come up with some stuff for you but even people that hate it that's all they 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 are still uh it's it's something that surrounds everybody so they yeah. they still have a connection to it there's even youtubers that gather a following of just being mad at disney for buying star wars and everything they've done with it has been horrible oh. and i'm always i'm always the guy that wants to get on there and say you realize lucasfilm is still the one making the movie so why don't you complain about them because Disney just owns the company, but they're not doing direct control. You're still looking at the same people, sort of, except yeah. for George isn't there. That's the only difference. <laughs> but but people build an entire following off the hater aid. So, but yeah, but these are the people when they show up at, at uh, conventions or whatever. I I gain new listeners because people will you know be like, oh, this is a show, and they you know yeah. so they find out about it, and so. It's kind of nice to have people who get excited about that. I even had a professor from the University of Kansas City, uh, University of Missouri, Kansas City, UMKC, who uh, we did a panel about the uh, the Laughogram Studios, golly, a couple years ago. And he came up to me and says, I'm so glad you guys do this because I felt like I was the only person who knew that this existed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. No, so you I mean, you're going to connect with, but that's, that's kind of the great thing about the internet. Like in the past years ago, if you had this niche interest, you would, it'd be really hard for you to find somebody else that liked it as much as you do. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. it's, and it's, it's really true. You mentioned, you know, your spouse, you know, you, you maybe don't have the same interest in Disney, you know, to the same level, but you, you know, then you talk with me and it's like, you know, we're like, Oh, we both, you know, and we both, you know, know this and know that and are yeah. interested in finding out more more about this, that, and the other thing. Yeah, and I'm one of them weird guys that, because most of the people in our, our area of fandom, of course, I'm a fan of a lot of different things, really, mm -hmm. but they're the people who maybe every other summer their family went to Disney. I grew up just plain white trash. We couldn't afford it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> My parents, the best they could do, oh, God bless them, uh, my senior trip, because they knew I had always wanted to go to a Disney park, because, I mean, I grew up and everything was, you know, once we got the Disney Channel, I was on it all the time. Oh, yeah. Uh, and when a Disney movie would come out, man, I'd be like, oh, man, I, I want to see it. You know, I loved everything that they were putting out. And so my parents managed to get me over. We went across the state over to St. Louis and went to Six Flags right around the time that the Batman ride had opened for the first time, which was pretty cool. But that was as close as my parents were ever going to get me to a Disney park. The only time I've ever been was actually a friend of mine realized I had never gone. He actually could get a discount if he brought somebody with him when he was going. And so on his dime, I went. Mm -hmm. And I call that a life-changing experience because now look what I'm doing. You know, 
So I'm working on getting myself there. So I've now established myself a bit more solid career now working in radio. So mm-hmm. I actually have plans. Friends of the Magic is coming up in August, hosted by Mr. Paul, Mr. Paul Barry of Window to the Magic. Oh, it's yes. coming in August. I'm going to try to get myself there. It'll be in Disneyland because I've always had to send somebody to represent me. Uh, but I'm going to try to get there myself. But that will make my first time in Disneyland. But that makes me that weird odd duck that hopefully people can relate to me that are oh, they love stuff <laughs> with Disney, but they're more maybe about the movies or stuff like that. And they sure. don't really get the opportunity to go to the mm-hmm. parks all the time. So hopefully those are the people that will find me and be like, ah, I can relate to this guy. Because frequent park visitors, I don't know if they can always relate to me because – there is a different mentality. If I feel like you had the privilege to be able to go all the time, I would love to have been able to do that, but yeah. I'm not. So it's weird find, trying to find that perfect connection to, to my peoples. Yeah, no, I mean, that's true. You're, you mm-hmm. you do have a point. I mean, it is one of those things that like when I first uh, got married, I st- we started going a lot, right? And so I had gone prior to that, you know, a handful of times in my uh, probably early teens and then, you know, a few more family trips over the years, but it was, you know, every few years. And so when I got married, it was like, how many trips can I squeeze into a year? Cause now, <laughs> you know, I'm, in, I'm in charge. I can get, I can get that plane ticket go. And once we had been enough times where we had seen everything, you know, which you really can never really see everything there, but we had been to most every resort we had, you know, been to, you know, every restaurant at all the theme parks, it became something where when I go there, uh, I, you know, walk slowly. A lot of times I'll look at things, Mm. uh, in in a way that I think I certainly didn't do, uh, you know, when I first started going, it was, you know, okay, I got to get there at this time, which is still the truth. I still think you should get there half hour before they open at least. But I'd say, and then I got to hit every single ride and I got to walk as fast as I can with blinders on and not look at anything and not spend any time <laughs> looking at merchandise. Cause I got to get on more rides and I got to see more shows and I can't sit down for dinner because if I do, I'm going to miss my time to do this, that, and the other thing. Yeah. And, and it, it is a different mentality. Once you've been there a bunch of times, you kind of feel like you can take it easy, which I don't know if it's better or worse, but it's just a different way of uh, of exploring those parks. And a lot of times I'll go with friends that don't go very often and I find myself saying, OK, I got to change my pace to, to the pace that I would want to be at if I were them. Yeah. And I think that was it was an interesting difference in mentality because like my friend, he wanted to go. He knew what he wanted to go hit. And we we basically went up to the, the hub and took a left into Adventureland and kind of circled the park to try to get everything in. And he's trying to make sure we get to all this different stuff. And I'm like, I was, I was trying to take everything in. So I'm, I'm walking down Main Street and I've got a video camera and I'm like, the castle, look, the, oh, look at the Main Street. You know, I actually was that kid in the candy store where I was like, I'm here. Look at all this stuff. And I'm like, I knew there was all these rides and things. But, you know, I grew up, you know, we got worlds of fun around here, which doesn't compare to Disney at all, frankly. Mm-hmm. But, you know, going on rides, our, our rides, now Disney rides are special. But I was like, you know, I want to get to the rides, but I definitely want to take things in. And I always find it odd that to me, even, you know, not not being a frequent visitor, I would want to stop and take pictures of things, but I've heard people that get mad at you because, like, we're trying to get moving, and you're stopping to take a picture right in the middle of Main Street. You can't stop yeah. in the middle of Main Street. you got to keep moving. And I'm like, D- do you not look at what? It's amazing. <laughs> look at everything. I I used to take tons of pictures and video. I still take some, but I really feel the funny thing today is you can say, uh, you know, I want to see what the – seven ounce steak looks like at La Cellier <laughs> and just punch the punch it into your keyboard. And boom. You can see 10 different pictures of it. You know, you can see three different YouTube videos about it. And so <laughs> I do find that, you know, uh, I used to spend all this time. I'd say, OK, we're going to go on this ride, but I got to record it. So we both have to be quiet and hope everybody around us is quiet so I can get a good <laughs> recording. And nowadays I think, well, I'm not going to do that. Big Fat Panda will do a much better job than I right? will. And I'll watch his videos. There you go. Or Window to the Magic, a great oh, yeah. great podcast. He does Paul. a great job. And I see, I made the mistake, uh, and I, I sort of regret it now. When I put together my video of my trip, mm-hmm. I, uh, I, the I was a haunted, fan of the Honda Mansion before I even stepped in there because I had a cassette tape of the old Ron Howard yes. Night in the Haunted Mansion. Yeah. So, I got in there and I was wanting to, be, you know, to me, the experience began as soon as I stepped into the foyer. 
And I was like listening to everything and I'm videoing everything because I know once I get on the ride, it's going to be too dark for me to pick up anything on my camera. But everybody's talking in the stretching room. And I was like, what, 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 why are you talking? Listen, we're in a thing and everybody's talking. And I, I kind of freaked out when I got home. Yeah. I said, man, I wish people weren't talking. And I went and I replaced the audio with just the straight audio of, uh, you know, a source audio. Yeah. And I'm like, and I starting there, I also went through and when we're just walking down Main Street or whatever, I'm playing, I'm playing Disney music. Why am I adding Disney music onto the video <laughs> when Main Street and everywhere else has all these great That's sounds so around yeah. it? And I, I, I just didn't learn to appreciate it until, thank you, Paul Berry and Window to the Magic, to now just listening to the parks. I'm like, the parks themselves have so much sound. Why in the world did I do it? And unfortunately, the tape that had the original footage is gone now. So I can't just yeah. go back and like, maybe I should go and re-edit my video and just listen to the sound that's there. Even though, yeah, there's people talking in the Haunted Mansion and that still kind of drives me nutty. But I don't know. It's, it's something about the the environment the and the whole thing. The, whole the ambi- thing, yeah. That's the word. Yeah. It's it's. It's still special, and I still next time I go to a haunted mansion, I do want to do that late night trip where it will be quieter. And maybe at Disneyland, I hear the fun part is everybody will lay on the floor, and it's a great experience to just lay on the floor and watch everything stretch in front of you. And oh wow, yeah. Either you get to Maynard in there as your go as your guest. Oh yeah, your, sure. Your host. <laughs> that is my goal. I want to be there and have He's Maynard do something. Oh, I love that I, guy. And I've I, only heard audio of him. And I'm like, oh, hey, Maynard was here. I'm like. Who's Maynard? And then you realize there's an entire Facebook fan page for oh, Maynard. Sure. I've only seen him at the Tiki Room, but I've seen him several times at the Tiki Room uh, years ago, and he was great. He would he would he dances through parts of it. There are <laughs> there are quite a quite a few moments that are uh, if you if you don't know who he is, they're they're distracting and confusing. But if you if you do, he's a lot of fun. Uh, you mentioned that Haunted Mansion record. I have mm. uh, the thing I always like to think about that because I had that record. I actually didn't own it. We checked it out of the library somewhat regularly when I was a kid. Uh, but what what I know about that, which I think is so funny, is that record uh, was Ron Howard, who was a little boy at the time, uh, like a teenager, and Roby Lester, who I I think was 45 years old. She was a voice actress. And so when you listen to it, it's so funny to think about that, you know, you know, they're both playing, you know, uh, uh, young people. And she was such a, you know, grown woman, you know, just recording that. <laughs> well, now you've ruined it. <laughs> she was a lich. Actually, a, a, a funny story that that reminds me of. OK, so I've seen the Beauty and the Beast musical performed, uh, I think, three times now. I saw it once at Starlight Theater, and it was the full Broadway production. Uh, then I've seen it in a theater in the park thing where it was for free, and it was a dance troupe that does stuff in a, in a local park, and they did they did pretty good. But one of the best performances I've seen that was not the Broadway was at a homeschool group had performed it. Now, they were doing a fantastic job. I was enjoying it. I said, oh, they're doing so good. This is such a great show. Somewhere in an intermission, somebody told me that, oh, by the way, did you know that the uh, the, the boy playing the Beast and the girl playing Belle are actually brother and sister? <laughs> so then when we get to the moment at the end of it, there is no big kiss. There's a really big hug. Yeah, well, you got to... <laughs> Well, that happened. That spoiled it for this. Like, why does somebody have to tell me that they're brother and sister? Because they were doing such a great job with their characters. And now I'm like, that would be weird. But oh, in that cute, nice hug. (laughs) But yeah, I was like, wow, this is awkward. (laughs) (laughs) So sometimes it's better not knowing some of the behind the scenes stuff. (laughs) No, that's uh, I absolutely agree. I think that uh, we would probably all be happier if we knew less about the celebrities we watch in movies (laughs) and television shows there are quite a few that i i appreciate and enjoy but uh the more i hear about them as human beings you you and then uh there's certainly been times where you meet somebody that you've seen on television you're like wow that guy's a real jerk (laughs) you know it's always great though when you meet the guys or the girls the actresses whatever that are just fantastic people like uh, oh yeah yeah, I'm gonna throw out you know very first guest I had Katie Lee, you know Sunny Gummy, Honker Muddlefoot, so many characters, and she's just a sweetheart. Because uh, especially when the I've I've told the story many times of how 
uh, when she first came on the show, the entire recording, and I didn't hardly know what I was doing. I'd never interviewed anybody before, but the recording, the file went corrupt, and she was so nice to come on the very next day to, to hurry up and re-record the entire thing. We pretended like the original yeah. recording hadn't happened, and so it's like sometimes a dress you meet these people, they're it's awesome. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I always like it. And sometimes you get surprised. Like uh, I had Mike Quinn on uh, and all I knew him for was Nine Numb. And then finding out all the other cool things he's done in his career and like, oh, wow. So you never know what you're going to get. So there are some celebrities that's definitely worth talking to. But there are those times you're like, I hope this person's not a jerk because that would be terrible. <laughs> It'll ruin it for you. It does. Yeah, like I'm I'm one of the few people that, you know, and I've heard since he passed away that Peter Mayhew had different days where he was up and then other days he was down. Okay. Well, everybody and I, does. Yeah. I caught him at a down moment and everything uh, and because I didn't have money to go get uh, autographs, but I was going through and I was I asked handlers at conventions if I might have a few minutes to talk to the person and record with them for the show just to get little bits. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't able to do that with Peter Mayhew. And I said, well, can I at least come up and meet you? I want to shake your hand and, and thank you for your work. And he kind of barely even acknowledged I was there I was uh, as I was shaking his hand and he just yeah. kind of rolled his eyes like another one of these guys right <laughs> and i was like wow chewbacca just kind of gave me the bum rush yeah get out of my booth yeah so and you compare that to like billy d williams who when i went to go shake his hand he's like uh-uh fist bump i was like i just <laughs> fist bump lando so oh he's great he's oh he is he's i yeah i get so delighted now tickled him so seeing him pop up and rise the skywalker yeah yeah so Sometimes you have that great experience. Like when I met Bill Farmer, oh, he's just a treat. I need to have him back on the show as a full thing. Yeah, yep. Yeah, so sometimes a good guy. you do have those great interactions. And Peter Mayhew, I've heard he's a, normally was, you know, also very wonderful. I wish I'd have gotten him on a wonderful time. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, mm -hmm. I I have not Peter Mayhew. I've never met, but uh, but but the rest of them, yeah, Bill Farmer uh, is great. And, and you mentioned Jim Cummings. We were talking, uh, before the show and you mentioned Jim Cummings, who is, yep. is a riot to be around. <laughs> I haven't gotten to meet him yet. Oh, he, I need to do that. He is, he's very funny. Well, he does a lot of conventions. Shouldn't, yeah, he does. shouldn't be very hard for you to come across him. Um, yeah, that's great. Yeah, I'm, I'm working. I'm sure he'll come back into town at some point, but, uh, any more planet comic-con, it's getting more difficult to, you have to wait in these super long lines that, that I don't have time to wait because I'm trying to get to every panel so I can get any audio I might be allowed to record or anything like that. So, uh, But I have got a chance. Sometimes I get in there. I can't really record on what they call Celebrity Row, but sometimes I get to at least have conversations. And I, I record. You know, I talk about it later. You know, when I talk to, like, um, uh, oh, golly, now I can't think of his name. Uh, Raphael and the original Ninja Turtles. Um Rob Paulson. I got a chance to talk to him, and I asked him about. He's the voice director for uh, the Rise of the Ninja Turtles series, so I was got to ask him about working on that show and what he thought about it. And it was great being able to just have a conversation with him for about five minutes and then move on, and then come back later on on the show and record. Oh, hey, so I talked to Rob Paulson, and he says this. Da 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 mm -hmm. da. So, yeah. and that's still a great reaction, even if you don't get them directly on the show. It's nice to be able to meet and talk and just have a quick conversation and. And it's, it's, I do enjoy that, but sometimes you really have to wait for a good long time when I'm sitting there going like, all right, that next panel that I definitely have to be at because it's such and such of this certain Disney thing and I got to be there. And Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's full on. Uh, it's it's like a fun day going to a convention, but it's exhausting because I'm in full like work mode because I'm like, get content, share it with the fans, must go, 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 go. Yeah. Yeah, nice conventions are fun. I've got, uh, uh, if anybody's listening from the Richmond, Virginia area, I'll be at uh, GalaxyCon Richmond in just a few weeks. I think uh, I think it's the last day of February and then the first two days of March. So, uh, yeah, no, conventions conventions are where it's at now. Years ago, yeah. they all were just, um, they were just comic books or horror movies. And now they seem to be everything. They all yeah. cover everything. And I'm glad Planet Comic Con still has a floor loaded full of comic books and comic book writers and comic book artists. And I make sure I visit those booths, too, because I'm like, you know what? This is the heart and soul of what got us started. Oh, so sure. It's nice to get all the pop culture things and the you know celebrities and stuff. But, like, I go through and I try to keep track of, okay, what issues of Amazing Spider-Man am I missing? Let me find somebody who's got some and see if I can find a deal. And I'll buy – I buy – I got so many comic books. I've been trying since I moved into a new house. I got some new bins. and I'm trying to go through all my comic books and uh, sort them and put them in nice sleeves and everything. And I realized I got a ton of stuff I've bought at conventions that I haven't gotten a chance to sit down and read yet. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, I so, hear that. Woo. Oh, but uh, we're, we're running short on time here. But uh, I wanted, of course, bring you on because you've got some books and we like talking I about do. different books. And yes. uh, you've got like at least six books. And one of these, I guess, came from you. you did you am I seeing this right? You used to work in the Hall of Presidents. <laughs> um, I have a book called Letters to the Hall of Presidents and Answers to the Letters to the Hall of Presidents. And the conceit of this book is that I worked at the Hall of Presidents and much like children may write a letter to Mickey Mouse and say, Mickey Mouse, I'm a big fan. I found in in my working at the Hall of Presidents that children would sometimes write letters to the president's the animatronic robots and ask them homework questions. And so, <laughs> so I, I put together a book with the questions and answers uh, to those actual, those real genuine letters. These obviously are not made up and this is not a story I just put together. This obviously happened. Um, and yes, that is. Uh, wow. <laughs> so this actually has some history. You can learn something in this book. You certainly can. You can learn, uh, you know, what, um, what uh, Herbert Hoover's DJ name when he when he used to DJ in the clubs? You can learn what his <laughs> DJ handle was. You can you can uh, learn about the time that Richard Nixon ate a Big Mac. There's a lot of great stuff. Uh, there's a lot of great stuff in that book. That is oh my goodness. That is that is a humor book. I wrote that book. Uh, basically, I wanted to put out. I started thinking. So the first book I did. Um, now I guess it was five years ago. I, I worked with Sesame Place, which is a Sesame Street theme park, and mm. currently the only one in the world. And it's. Yeah. Right outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And I worked with the park to categorize the history of the park with a man named Christopher Mercaldo. Um, it was actually very funny. He had been working on the concept of the book, and I had been blogging about that park for a long time because – it's the kind of park, unlike Disney, that you can't really go to when you grow up. It's it's really there for the kids, you know? Yeah. Um, you're not going to honeymoon there. And so I had been there as a kid, and then I didn't go back until I had a kid. And so there were, there were decades where I drove by it, you know, on a regular basis, and I – when I finally got there again, I had to figure out what had happened in between. And so I put together a lot of information and I just kept emailing it to buddies and they said, Hey, why don't you post this online? So I did. And that led to me doing that book, which was a, a wonderful project and a great success. And I followed that up with, uh, working with a, with a guy named George Uribe, who goes by Captain Marvelous, who's a tremendous artist. We did a children's book, which was an anti-bullying story, which takes place. It takes place at a fictional version of Walt Disney World, but it has the Tower of Terror is <laughs> one of the main parts of the book. And it's this anti-bullying story, and he drew these amazing pictures. And so we did that, and we later did a, a coloring book about Santa Claus being a squirrel, which is <laughs> highly recommended. But I started saying you know, this is a great book. I wrote this book for my kid. You know, the other book I did because I did it for the park. And I said, what would be a book I would want? And so I said, well, the Hall of Presidents is one of my favorite attractions, but I like it. And I also think it's ridiculous. You know, I think it's <laughs> yeah. it's funny to watch and it's odd. And so I said, you know, what was the kind of book I, I like to read? And I was like, I like Mad Magazine paperbacks. You know, I used <laughs> to love those. And so I was like, I want to make something that feels like Mad Magazine. So that's that's what that book is. And so if you want to laugh, I think that is a, a real good one. Um, my newest book, though, we, we were talking about those Disney cocktails. My newest book is called Bibbidi Boozity Book. And uh, it is a book full of Disney cocktail recipes and toasts where you can raise the glass up to unique people in Disney history. Like there was a woman named Vera Waldron who checked into a hotel across the street from Disneyland in 1982. And she saw a man climbing out of the room across at a hotel across the street and he had a rifle with him oh and gosh. she called the manager and said there's somebody with a rifle on the roof next door and the manager called 911 Anaheim PD got there and they stopped him but not until after he fired 12 shots towards Disneyland and wow. so no one was hit no one was hurt and if it wasn't for Vera Waldron that wouldn't have happened now 
her name, I found it just by going through old microfiche at the Anaheim Library. But I found her name in old news articles, and I said, I want to you know, put her in this book so people can raise a glass to her and other people like that, that are unsung heroes in Disney history. And this book, by the way, I don't know if you're a wrestling fan, Jeremy. Oh, yes, indeed. Uh, Except for the, only, the only thing I'm watching right now is the NWA is back on YouTube. It is great. It is really good. Uh, mm. But this book has appeared on AEW. Uh, nice. The, the, uh, the librarian from AEW, Leva Bates, who's been on Drunk on Disney a bunch of times, she wrote the back cover for it. We had uh, talked about it for a long time because uh, she we have a shared interest in theme parks and cocktails. And so she wrote the, uh, the back cover and then she actually had a match Match where she was fighting uh, uh, Nyla Rose and she sat there in the corner because Nyla wouldn't tag her in. They were a tag team partner, even though they didn't like each other. Uh, yeah. And so she she stood in the corner and read the book and and made it face the hard camera the whole time. So she is. Oh, nice. <laughs> so but this is I'm very proud of this book. And and you can get all my stuff on my website, which is guyhutchinson.com. But this one is available on Amazon for a real cheap price for if you get it on your Kindle. So, I mean, it's, and I think it's, uh, I think people really enjoy it. Do you have like a, for people like me who I, being a diabetic drinking is not a good idea for anything anyway, but for like a non drinker, is there some good non-alcoholic drinks in there? Um, well, here's the thing. This is what I tell people that don't drink. First thing is no, because if you take, if you take the alcohol out of a, a Disney cocktail, it's all sugar. So it's not, you know what I mean? It's, it's all like, if you go to Disney, you're like, I'm going to get my kid one of these pita coladas. They're $16 and they're, you know, they're putting, you know, a dollar's worth of liquor in there, but I'm going to have them not put that in there. And so it's just going to cost them 11 cents to make this sugary drink. And they're going to give it to my kid. Uh, you know, obviously those things are so full of sugar. But what I always tell people is, you know, even if you don't drink, I buy cookbooks and I don't necessarily make everything in them. So the point about it is, you know, the cocktail is is like one paragraph on those pages. And then the toast is like five paragraphs. So really the the history of the of the parks is the bigger part. And then there's yeah. uh, some some essays about each park and each location that I think you'll find humorous. So I'm going to make yeah. sure I can get a copy out to you right away so awesome. so you can check it out and, and uh, report back to me. Yeah, especially because I do like Unsung Heroes of Disney. We just had uh, had an Unsung Hero, uh, yeah, I guess it's just this past week with Craig Miller, who did all the great marketing for Star Wars and so many different things. Like, you know, stuff you don't think about, that they do great things and they never really get recognized and, and get appreciated the way they should be. Oh, sure. I mean, there's stories in here, and almost every one of these, I had to dig the story up. It wasn't like I knew this and then put it in the book. It was me researching and trying to find people and... And so there's stories like the guy who came up with the idea to do the Mickey Mouse watch or the woman who owned the cow uh, that had the Mickey Mouse markings on it. It was named Minnie Moo and, and, you know, later lived out its life in in Walt Disney World. Uh, (laughs) The woman that owned that cow and saved that cow from the slaughter, you know, so that cow could end up at Walt Disney World because she liked (laughs) the cow so much because of those markings. You know, it's like these people, you know, it's really really neat to hear about them. And there's some, there's some remarkable Disney connections that, that I didn't know about. And, you know, just stuff like how many times have we all been on the jungle cruise? I guess for you, it's once, but for, for a lot of Disney fans, it's many times. And you hear the joke, this is Schweitzer falls. It's named after the famous doctor, Albert falls. And Uh, you always hear the joke, but I think most of us don't know who Albert Schweitzer is. I really didn't. So I looked him up and what I found out was, um, just a year or two before Disneyland opened, he won the Nobel Prize. And so I said, wow. oh, yeah, this is a guy that people right then knew his name. And now I feel like we know his name from that joke rather than them where they they knew his name and the joke was a, was a play on it. So I talk about who he was, you know. And cool. so so I think I think that even someone like you that is not raising a cocktail, you'll still find a lot to raise a glass to. Indeed. I'll just raise my uh, Diet Pepsi to it. That's it. But uh, yeah, and uh, speaking of being on the Jungle Cruise one time, and I've, I've shared this audio on the show before, but it makes a great story because all right, my wife is a biology teacher. 
So we're very particular when watching film. We'll note that like when you see an eagle flying overhead, you'll hear this great screaming cry in film. But actually, an eagle makes this little chirpy noise, a bald eagle. The chirp. Like this. Oh, wow. And yeah, you always hear the, ah. Yeah, but that's actually a hawk. So they use a hawk sound for an eagle. <laughs> Another thing that the film is very guilty of, and Disney is guilty of this too, is using the, the laugh of a kookaburra and calling it a monkey. So yes, here we are. Don't do not make sounds unless they're agitated. Right. Mm-hmm. So we're we're cruising down the jungle, going down the jungle cruise, and that there's that kookaburra noise going, ooh, ah, you know that kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, the, and our our skipper goes, ooh, listen to the sound of that monkey. And I have it on video of me going, actually, that's uh, that's not the <laughs> monkey. That's a typical <laughs> mistake people make. And I. And I'm like, oh, she's not trying to. And I was like, okay, I'm going to shut up now. So it's incredibly awkward. <laughs> oh, no, we, you know what? Going like, oh, well, if my wife was here, she could tell you about the bird and the cucumber. And yeah. that this is this is where you and I are similar. That's the that's the thing. I had when I was doing the Sesame Place book. I remember uh, one of the VPs of the park showed me a picture, and she's like, "What year do you think this was from?" And I was like, "Well, this is from '82." And the reason is because they had moved this over to here, and this hadn't open until and i looked at her and i was like you don't need to know all this okay 1982 sorry to bore you <laughs> but that's how you know that's how we think and that's what i yep. think and that's why i think people like listening to your podcast i would hope so because it gets awkward in real conversation with some some minor disney thing might come in and i've got a 10 minute story about it and i don't realize that they're just looking at me like what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> Heck, and I used to be a Lyft and Uber driver. You would be surprised when people ask me, so what's something interesting to do around here? And I'd always tell people, you ever heard of Laughagram Studios? <laughs> and I would tell them where the old Walt Disney Studio was. So, yeah, useless knowledge, but it's special. <laughs> well, Spider-Pan, it has been a a real a real moment of my life, and I will <laughs> I will remember this for days to come, maybe maybe hours. Uh, and of and all I, the moments of our life, this, this has been the most recent. <laughs> uh, this was great. I had so much fun. I, I really appreciate you having me on. Well, and of course, we'll have to come you back on, have you all back on, and next time you can bring your buddy on there because hey, we like voice actors. I would love to bring him on. So, he he loves to talk, so he would oh, be, yes. be happy to be on here. Yeah, we'll definitely have to do that because it's fun just diving into weird topics because you never know what we'll come up with. So be on the lookout. So, all right. So once again, Guy Hutchison, the podcast is Drunk on Disney. The website is also Guy Hutchinson. I'll make sure I link up to it because I've given a look at a site where it's got a lot, a lot of different books. Make sure you go pick up the books because hey, – oh, and you also – I saw – uh, you got an IMDb or not IMDb, but Wikipedia. Do. You do I some stand up, apparently. Yeah, yeah, we do comedy shows. I don't. I don't. I've done a little stand up years ago. I hate to say this is a, a thing with me. Wikipedia says I'm a comedian, which I guess I am because I go on a stage and tell jokes for an hour or two, and and that's sort of. But it's not stand up. People that do stand up, it's like we were talking about with music. You know, they they have to play all these clubs and and do all this hard work. I don't have to do any of that. I don't even have to stand up for it. So. I do sit down comedy, uh, but I, I definitely do. Yeah, and I have, I do have an IMDb page. Uh, I have only one credit, which is a special thanks in a documentary. But I'm as proud as could be. If if you told if you told little guy Hutchinson when I was you know ten years old that I would have not only a Wikipedia page and an IMDb page, but both a Disney Wiki page and a Muppet Wiki page, I wouldn't know what those things were, but boy, I'd be impressed. So yes, it's I'm living the dream. Yeah. And that makes me wonder if I should look myself up, see if anybody's bothered to make a Wikipedia about me. You've done a lot. I would look. (laughs) You gotta find out. Because I do have have one film credit. I am an extra in an independent film. I'm in the man. I'm a guy in the background eating hamburger in a film that featured uh, Jason Ritter and I. Oh, I can't think of it, but uh, Yondu. That actor was in this movie. It's called Lenexa One Mile, and I'm in the background eating a hamburger in one scene. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Bravo. Uh, not to mention, I'm a star in a student film that uh, you know that that film's probably not going anywhere because it was a student film, but it was a pretty good movie, and I did a pretty good job. I didn't have any live dialogue, but I was the main character. I just didn't talk. <laughs> Silent bobbing it. I like oh, it. Oh, definitely. It was all I had to do it all with my face. And I have I have quite the face. That's why I work in radio. <laughs> well, <laughs> Jeremy, I hope we do this again. This was yeah. a whole lot of fun. I look forward to the next time we talk. Thanks so much. 
Uh, you're very welcome. Come back anytime. Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. We invite you back next week for more fun and adventure. Until then, remember to keep a pixie in your pocket. It's that young at heart, positive attitude that you can share with others. And remember to visit our website at NeverlandPodcast.com. There you can find links to our news page, our shop, our contact page, where you can easily send an email to podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com. You can also find our Neverlanders page, where you can find out how to become an official lost boy or pixie, because girls are too clever to get lost. Become a real Neverlander! Please feel free to leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at NeverlandPCast. And like our Neverland Podcast fan page on Facebook. We also have a group on Facebook for you to join. We also appreciate your support to keep the Neverland Podcast up and running. Visit Patreon.com slash NeverlandPodcast to donate to Keeping the Pixie Dust Alive. Copyright content featured on the Neverland Podcast is copyright of their respective creators and used under fair use license. All original content is copyright of Blue Band Productions and a very special thanks to Yeehaw Bob Jackson at yeehawbob.com for our new ending music. God bless! Yeah! Hello everybody, this is Yeehaw Bob Jackson. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, it's true. Neverland Podcast, we